Hey everyone, today we have Brian Crom back for his third appearance. It's episode number 71. This one's a really unique episode where we mostly let Brian go completely off script. Uh, we didn't even really bother with most of our original questions, and it's fun. Brian goes into a really deep conversation about some of his personal stuff he's dealing with lately, and he had a really strong relationship with Charles Poliquin, who's an interesting figure in our industry, so we talk about his life and death. Uh, he recently passed away. We also get into how coaching is managing emotions almost more than anything else. And again, off script, it's just a unique episode and I really hope you guys enjoy it. Oh yeah, and we talk about uh, not letting people gaslighting you and protecting your own mental space. Stay tuned, enjoy it. Thanks. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we've got Brian Cron returning. It's actually his third appearance, so we haven't really decided yet if we really like him a lot or if we're just really hurting for guests pretty bad. Both. We're, uh, we're, we're actually, it seems like lately, well, we're getting a lot of noises here. We're, yeah, sorry. Dang. Yeah, it's yeah. good, this is perfect, it's Brian. You can see it's Brian. Yeah, man, I'm blowing up, man. Is, now, is, I can't, now I can't find my phone. Yeah, <laughs> We, uh, we've also actually had a lot of T Nation uh, contributors on the podcast of recent, and uh, and in, in traditionally, so it's it's kind of a little bit of a, a tilt we're on too, I suppose. Um, how are you doing, buddy? Like, how's everything? Things are absolutely insane, uh, in a good way. Uh, lots business is good. Business is evolving. Uh, training is really good. Yeah, definitely need a, a week or two off because I'm. Because I like weeks, I like weeks off. Um, but it, 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 trading is evolving too. I'm finding um, I'm gonna go back to strength for a bit, which is gonna be uh, which is gonna be humbling, but, <laughs> but very humbling. You'll be see, I'll be hanging out with you, Andrew. But, you, uh, you talked off air like you're not strong, right? That well, was your whole thing. See, you you, you, you point to me. Guido Guido is a fuck ton stronger than him. I'm, I got about forty pounds on him now, but this guy's got a paused four forty bench in competition. And, Andrew that's, looks. That's, Andrew's one of those guys that looks big, but like not strong. You're not weak. <laughs> you're not weak though, but you're strong. You're just like not super strong. Like he's not as strong as he looks. Which I don't. Yeah, is that good? Is that's a fair evaluation? I, I'm going to pretend none of this is even. You look like insulting. you should. You look like you should bench five hundred pounds, and you bench what like. 350. Yeah, yeah like that's a good best. number, but you look like you should bench 500. And so when you say I bench 350, you're like, oh, you're fucking weak. But that's stronger than like 99% of the world. Exactly. For But for a guy who's now like walking around at 260, these, my big lifts are not that like crazy. How much has Brian benched? Yeah, Brian, what's your all-time best bench? <laughs> my, my best bench? Yeah. Oh, this is embarrassing. My best bench was 335. Uh, and my good. best incline was 335. That's, that's odd. But how yeah. much do you weigh? How much I, well, at that time, this is like probably 10 years ago. So I was probably around 210, 215. Yeah, so Andrew's 260. So like that's... Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? So, so like you would look like you should bench that much. You know what I mean? But they're not gonna, you're not going to be like, oh, he's a god in the gym. But really, to everyone else, you're super strong. Like 335, people would look at that and be like, oh, man, what's your number? Where's your website? And you'd be like, oh, I write a blog and my name's Brian. You should get training from me. Is that how you did it? Yeah. Yeah, but if I put that on the bench now, I'd get fucking stapled. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean come on, man. You know, so it's, yeah. Just don't use collars because if that thing gets stuck on you, no one's around to pull it off. You're fine. So, 
<laughs> if you find your dead body, add some plates and then call the paramedics. He's going to go to the gym right after this and just see. Well, but, but the thing is, when I do train for strength, it's purely, um, of course I care about the numbers because that's the whole fucking point. But it's, it's mainly just to, um, just to pry my nervous system so when I go back into my bread and butter hypertrophy nonsense, uh, it's just a new stimulus. I can use heavier weights usually. Yeah. Um, but what I'm going to do different this time is whenever I train strength, like exclusively for, you know, three, four months, I always get injured. I always get beat up, tight the shoulders, the unusual shit. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I'm 45 years old. I can't avoid that anymore. But, um, this time I'm really just going to focus on the weights. They're just a tool. They're just a tool for me to like recruit my nervous nervous system, recruit these, these high threshold fibers, just, I don't really care about what the end reps are going to be. You know, if I, if I don't hit my fucking PR that day, I'm not going to go and, and, and kick a house cat. I'm just going to like, okay, you know, it's all going to be means to an end. So yeah. let's, let's actually go further down this one. Cause we, yeah. we wrote a script and funny enough, I got a feeling we're just going to fucking ignore most of it. Uh, you know, as we're getting older, I mean, I'm 40 now, I'll be 41 in March and you know, I'm not trying to set PRs anymore. I still try to lift as heavy as I can, but this whole idea of being, you know, into our forties mm-hmm. and in theory, we're supposed to be in the slight decline. We know that weightlifting and maintaining strength are essentially a fountain of youth that are going to slow that decline. But how, yeah. do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the pressures to be, to maintain your previous best, to maintain the physique of yeah. our twenties and thirties as we get into our forties and some of the, so the pitfalls of, trying to keep pace with our younger selves. Well, it's, it's such a bullshit thing because like, you know, I, I know so many over 40, especially physique athletes, not so much real athletes. Okay. Because there's, you know, things fall apart. Once you're over 35 that make your athletic prowess, you know, you, you like, you're just not as explosive. You're, you're not as reactive. You know, that's why you don't see a lot of 40 plus hockey players, you know, um, but for what we, or what I do, what we do, you know, maybe not so much being, but like for guys who just want to look good, it's just not as much of a factor. And, and that's why you see so many exceptional physique athletes that are in their high forties, you know, even fifties. Um, the key is, and what, what makes it such a bullshit fuck industry is that if you started when you're 13, all right, man, and now you're like. Now you're 43 and you're talking about, I'm just over 40 lifter. You got 30 years of fucking training, man. You know, and if you've been intelligent about it and, and not missing a lot of workouts and planning your programs correctly, like that's what's, you know, that's what you're, you're living off of. I mean, like that's all been established. It's not like you woke up at 39 years old, you know, and said, you know what, I'm going to get in shape. You know, I walked into your local iron pit and built this Jack physique by the time you're 43. So I think, I think there's a little bit of bullshit a lot of bullshit in all that. But the key is, um, yeah, your joints are getting better. You know, it's, you can still build muscle. Your, your, your ability to get stronger is definitely impacted. Like you just don't have the limit strength. Um, but you can still get bigger. Do you think it's like different for the person who does jump in at, let's say 35, 36, cause it's almost like they should be declining, but because they never lifted, they're actually getting stronger. If that makes sense. You could always have a newbie face. Yeah. Always. Always have a new face. Like I got guys who never lifted a weight. They're 40 and their bench shoots up from one, 
what is it, like 115 to 185 in like six months. And it's like, wow, you know. But because they started too late, will they ever have two wheels, the big 225? I don't know. Probably not. One of my most impressive clients in the context of anything, she's been training with me now probably, it's coming up on seven years. She's 57, five foot one, 130 pounds. And this woman can do a 236 pound trap bar deadlift. She can squat a plate aside. And she came to me weak as a kitten at 50. And she yeah. can, I've got video of her barbell lunging 100 pounds across a gym. This woman has got legs that pretty much any women's physique competitor would be jealous of. Yeah. And she's just this little powerhouse. And she's done all this stuff in her 50s, right? And there's really no training history outside of like playing some like group sports at a younger mm -hmm. age. You can see some really incredible shit. And oh, yeah. Women are can be really deceivingly strong, especially um, when they're shorter and stockier and they got those you know, smaller levers. It's, uh, yeah, like, like my wife, <laughs> my wife never, she's like me, she never deadlifts. But when she does, it's like 265. <laughs> like, and she's like, You're like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know if I should try this. <laughs> but she's like five, I don't know, she's five foot fuck all. So, like, the bar travels like two inches, you know, so. Do you say that too after she's like super excited? You're like, oh, that's fuck all, like nice two inch deadlift. No, are you are you are you, are you, are you, are you insane? <laughs> She's gonna listen to this. <laughs> no, 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 she doesn't know how to use a computer. But um, she'd be like, "How about those two inches? Better than yours?" That's why a joke would be to you if you said that. That would yeah, that would probably be something like that. Yeah, Brad's like, uh, you know, next yeah. thing you know, he's got to like stay over at Marty's house for uh, for a couple of days. Oh, I did that, man. She got so pissed at me. Um, <laughs> Like when, when Marty finally moved, uh, he lived in Red Deer, and you know, yes, yeah, no Red Deer. Right? You know, I don't, eat, I don't know Alberta that well. Like I know Calgary because I live here. You know I, Red Deer because it's in the middle of Edmonton and Calgary, probably. Yeah, yeah. and it's just kind of like it, it, it's fine, whatever. But uh, I ain't going out there. So finally, I'm, I'm like, dude, you got if you want to see, hang out with me, you got to move to Calgary because I ain't fucking going out there. Um, so he, you know, he moved to Calgary. The guy made the move, and. Uh, uh, I was like, all right, let's go celebrate. And, you know, we don't drink. And um, <laughs> I had a, all her in-laws were coming in. <laughs> and, um, like, like my nieces and nephews and, like, people I don't really know or <laughs> really see. And they already think I'm kind of, like, weird. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to help my friend Marty move for a bit. Total bullshit. He's already moved. Um, <laughs> you know, but I said, let's go help him move. And, um, you know, and I'll, I, I'll be back in time for dinner and whatever. And. Just got shit faced. I got got back home and I couldn't walk into my house because I could see all my in laws. So I just kind of sat on a park. I, I live by the park, so I just kind of sat on the park bench, like, <laughs> like like the local uh, you know child molester, and just sat there, just waiting for everyone to go to sleep. And I, you know, then I stumbled. And I was texting Marty at the time, going, "I'm just so fucked up, dude. I can't." Get <laughs> Did you go back I, to his place and stay? No. Um, I actually slept in my car. I didn't drink, I didn't drink a drive. I didn't drink, like I Ubered, whatever, but my car was like at home. So I just slept in my car and, uh, and I just went in at 10 in the morning. They're like making pancakes and my wife's like, you haven't stayed out all night in 10 years. And yeah, the one night with my family's here, you know, like, I was here though. I was like, yeah, fuck. I was here. I was in the garage. Where were you? You know, but anyway, that was actually one of the last. That's the last time I, I drank with Marty, and uh, yeah, there's a reason why. There's a reason why all those things align. Like I don't drink with Marty because I end up on a park bench. Like Marty's yeah. a bad influence. It sounds like. 
Yeah, and but you know, it wasn't a great park bench because some years, some like these new park benches are fucking comfortable, man. Like I'm a dad now, so you bring your kid there. Yeah, I get it. You just get kind of sit back in the bench, and it's kind of comfortable. It's like an easy climber, and you watch your kid, you know, run around, terrorize, and that could be a good blog post. Yeah, yeah, I I could explore that. It's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a creepy vibe. You don't want too many guys sleeping in parks, but it's my neighborhood, man. They all fucking know me. (laughs) Uh, We let's actually ask something off of what we were going to talk about, and. Uh, we'll go back to some of the stuff we, we actually talked about we wanted to like uh, you know some of this stuff that's changed in your life and obviously you know how you know let's go here first let's talk about you know Charles Poliquin and, and how influential A he's been to you and you know for anybody who's listening who doesn't know who Charles is Charles is a very influential but at times polarizing figure <laughs> in our industry I'm trying to be nice about it not everybody agrees with a lot of his late career yeah. ideas but uh, he died this year, and so there's sort of a mixed reaction to that. So I just want to explore your thoughts about Charles, and his life, and his death. Wow, yeah, man, yeah, that um, that that was that really hit me hard because um, I've known him um, since '95, like yeah. right when I was I wasn't I was I training already. I was definitely working in the gyms. I was like mopping floors and shit, and. Um, and I just heard about this guy. I was buying Muscle Media 2000, and, I, and he had his question of strength column. And, um, and anyway, I won't go through it long, but his training stuff was always exceptional, always exceptional. And um, you know, and I, and I remember, you know, realized he was Canadian. I was like Canadian kid too. I'm like, I want to be like this guy. And I finally got to meet him. Fuck, what year was that? It was before 2000. And, uh, and I realized like this guy is, he's at a way higher level, not like he's working with Olympic athletes and bobsledders, just stuff that I don't want to do, um, nor could do. Um, but I still wanted to learn from him because he was, um, he was just really, really good. And, um, now his problem is, is that, uh, how do I put this? Let's put it this way. On the day he died, I was like stunned and I went on Twitter and uh, I, I don't even know what I said. I, I, I got a hold of Thibodeau, who has a long history with him, too. And I'm like, is this true, man? Is he dead? He's like, yeah, man. And uh, within an hour, I was in this um, like Facebook big group with all these really good coaches. Not the, not the other shit, not the thousands of shit ones out there. All these really <laughs> good coaches. And we all had – we're on this big Facebook group, and we, uh, we all had a link to Charles. Most of the guys actually worked for him. Like I worked for Charles more as an editor. Um, and some other stuff, but, uh, his actual trainer, yo, yo, so you worked, you worked with him as an editor. We lost you for a sec. Oh yeah. I worked with him. Yeah. Like I worked with him. Um, I started taking courses with him and, uh, and he hired a friend of mine to, um, be a a coach of his in in Phoenix. This is like, I think this is pre nine 11 still. And anyway, um, but I, you know, I was, I was always kind of an apprehensive kid. I didn't want to, you know, he certainly didn't offer me a job, but uh, I just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something in writing. So I worked with him as an editor um, on some projects. And, but anyway, getting back to his passing. Um, but I mean, then over the years, I've worked with T Nation and I was his conduit at T Nation for a long time. And then he and T Nation had a falling out and I continued to work with him. Um, just helping with his articles and taking courses with him and always 
not so much as nutrition stuff, but always the training stuff. Um, all right. Long story short. So he passes. Um, and I had just saw him. I had just uh, visited him in Colorado because there's a course with uh, John Meadows and Stan Efferding and, yeah. uh, and Milos. And um, Charles has put out some really shitty courses, but that one was fucking awesome. And like all we did was train and, you know, talk high level drugs and contest prep. And it was just like and when you train with Charles, you, like that guy trained hard. Everyone, everyone says, oh, I train so hard. I break the weights. I do all this. Yeah. It's not so much the effort. It's it's the focus. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, um, he passed. I got a hold of Thibodeau. I'm in this big Facebook group with like <laughs> all these guys. And the thing that all had in common is that everyone was fired by Charles because Charles was kind of insane. <laughs> you know, and so was, but everyone's laughing because like it's just like the fucking stories are just – I don't know how many of them I can tell. Like in that group, we were telling them all and they're hilarious. Like if you think he had hangups on social media and being socially awkward, like fucking real life, he was a disaster. Like just, just a complete disaster socially. And, um, but, but, but that's the thing. If you kind of accepted that and kind of, you know, it got past that, you can really have some fun with it. You know, my wife loved him. Um, because he was so just, yeah, fuck you. You know, like, he was just like, <laughs> just so direct. There, there's something to be said with that kind of personality, though. Like, a lot of yeah. the people who are doing shit kind of, like, they they march the beat of their own drum in that sense. And they're, we even, we're going to talk about that, but protecting your space. But essentially, he protected yeah. his fucking thoughts and was, like, <laughs> very polarizing in it. But he owned them, too, which pissed people off. And he didn't give a fuck. Well, yeah, I remember having a conversation with him and his ex-wife. And, you know, I'm kind of a diplomatic guy, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> and he's uh, a certain coach who's still going at it now. His whole thing is he takes a very basic exercise and he, and he goofs it up just a little bit, you know, and then he puts it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the fuck. And now he's got his, his new exercise. You know what I mean? He's taking something, he's taking something that works just fine and has worked for, you know, hundreds of years. And and does something goofy with it, like stands on his fucking tiptoes or, or whatever. And now it's a new lift. It's a novel lift. You know, that kind of shit. Um, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't really a big deal. It's just a guy having fun with his training. You know, you, you might not agree with it, but it, it's it's not, you know, he's not out there beating up kids. You know, it's <laughs> not a big deal. But here's Charles. He's a fucking asshole. We should bring that guy down. We should bury him. And, and then there's Charles's ex-wife going, not everybody is a fucking asshole. You can't be this way. You can't be, you know, just because you don't agree with somebody doesn't mean they should be dead and buried. And like, so like that was the way he saw everybody. It was like, if you wronged him, it was like, fuck you. You're nothing. You're dead to me. And, I, uh, I actually relate to that because I'm very much that kind of way in the world. I, actually, <laughs> I have to like modulate that down, regulate it. Yeah. I mentioned, uh, like I've been exploring this. I mentioned this on the podcast we recorded this morning, which will actually be future. I've come to understand an aspect of my personality. I'm a highly disagreeable person. And if something, and again, I, I'll say this, I, people are getting better. You know what? Yeah. I am actually getting a lot better, but there's certain things that just really set me the fuck off. 
Uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm understanding it, so therefore I'm actually able to kind of keep it in check most of the time. It's like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is a famously disagreeable person. And I'm guessing Paula Quinn is kind of the yeah, Jobs the, the, one, the one thing, though, is like if you're disagreeable and you get paid to do... Like when he's disagreeable and he's still successful, he's like, oh, I must be doing something right. But... Sometimes, like when you're not, you're not Charles Paulkin. If you're disagreeable, and people are like fuck this Andrew dude, you don't have the platform that he did. So you can't be like fuck all you guys. I'll sit on my no. pile of money. You don't have the pile. You have like no, a, you I, have, have, a, I have to play. A, I have an okay pile of money, but I have to play nice with a lot of stuff. But sometimes, sometimes I'm just like fuck this. I really have no time for this garbage. But the thing, like the thing is, towards the end of his his um, his life, like he was kind of a I don't want to say he was a black sheep. Like definitely, he had a shit ton of haters. Yeah, you know. Um, and probably 80% of it was well-deserved, you know, because he said a lot of dumb shit. Um, he had no filter. Um, he had some bad, like one thing that always stuck in my craw is, um, everyone always made fun of him. I think you guys are probably too young, but uh, do you remember the, the, the five elements article that oh, he yeah. had? I read that. Okay. Actually I did. Oh. And I'm 31 okay. and Andrew's like the same age as you. The thing was, it was called the five elements of, of uh, I don't know what the fuck. I didn't edit it. It was like so earth, I, fire, okay. fucking water. He's, and, yeah. Well, he's, yeah, he, well, what he said is there's five types of lifters. Yeah. And yeah, there's fire, water, earth, earth, wind, and fire. But anyway, there's the five elements. Heart? And he, is this like Captain Planet shit? No, it wasn't yeah. heart. I can't remember what it was. Okay. Okay. It's, it's like. It was green. Some, but the long and the short of it was, is that. The crux of it was some people respond extremely well to volume. Yeah. Some people respond extremely well to intensity. Some people extremely well to variety. Some people will respond to fucking anything. Yeah. Just <laughs> let them loose. And some people are fucking useless and they won't respond to anything. Yeah. Okay. That was the article. Okay. And that, that, if that's all you distilled from that, you are miles ahead of the game. Like I took that little, whatever bit of information, and, and even in my Gen Pop coaching, I could spot a, you know a volume person and an intensity person, and when to apply it, when to apply variety, um, and it's been so helpful. But the problem is, they took that um, the model of that, yeah, and they they attributed they tried to make metaphors with Chinese medicine, yeah, okay. And so then, then on the internet, everyone's like, "Oh, look at fucking Parliquid. He's like using Chinese medicine to get people strong." And I'm like, "It, it was just painful." And uh, anyway, I think anyway. the article so had he, like Chinese signs and shit on it because I remember it. Yeah, but it's just if you told like you can tell any decent strength coach, yeah, there's volume people, intensity, variety, throw whatever the fuck you want at people, and then there's just garbage humans who will never grow, and they'll say, "Yeah, you know, it's just." And the quicker you figure out what you're dealing with, the quicker like, – that's what Charles was good at. And uh, he could look at you and see what your weakness was and find the right corrective exercise and then shave time off of what you're trying to do. So like you have a hockey player for 10 weeks. You can't fuck around for four weeks. you know. So the quicker you can figure these things out, the better. Did you have a question? I was, gonna say, I, was, I was actually just going to say, like, Paul Quinn's sort of a little bit like a Sigmund Freud of the fitness industry. He's a foundational figure. He came up with a lot of really basic good stuff. And in retro... Oh, shit, we lost Brian again. Fuck. Okay, we're back. All right, we're back. I was just in the middle of saying, he's sort of a little bit like the Freud of the fitness industry. Foundational, a lot of really basic good stuff. Yeah. 
But then in like as things came out later on empirically, whatever, some of this stuff has been sort of invalidated and it's pretty much like prescribing cocaine as a solution yeah. to everything. I think everyone needs that part of their journey though. Cause we were talking beforehand of like our growth as strength coaches, but yeah. there was a time and place for that because it was a different fucking world back then. Well, if, if people went and bought his, like I love the Polycon principles. It's just cause it's just tons of arm shit. So that's my thing. Um, and as an aside, that was the last, cause I saw him two weeks before he died. And, uh, and we would, I didn't, uh, we actually shot the shit for quite a while because I was just too tired to train again because all we did was train. And, uh, and I said to him, I go, I said, I've stolen all your arm routines, man. I mean, at some point I got to give you credit. And he's like, and he's like everyone steals my shit. He's like, you should give me credit. And I'm like, well, I'm here, man. I paid for this course. And he's like, all right, that's fine. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was going, but he, um, I think you. I, I think you know, I feel um, a little hesitant to say this because this isn't entirely appropriate. So I forgive anyone who might be affected by autism, but I think he might have been a little bit on the spectrum because he was so brilliant at like uh, this this one little aspect of strength training, which is like identifying weaknesses and and correcting. You know, so. It's, it's, it's interesting when you think about it because like a lot of his lens would be through that lens. So yeah. and he was really, really good at that shit. And I think that yeah. like a lot of people pull yeah. that away. Like if you take shit from his articles, but if you can take the key points of what yeah. he was saying, that should shine through. And I think it gets lost in all the other stuff. Yeah. I would. Well, make- well, yeah. And then of course, you know, he got all into the supplements and bullshit yeah. and all into the woo. And yeah, that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage the man. You know, you know, everyone's got to make money. Everyone has a business model. Um, certainly made some mistakes there, and uh, and said made a lot of money there. But um, he was also he was really, really good. Like he he was always pushing all this woo, um, and people made fun of him. Doctors made fun of him, and and well, mainstream doctors made fun of him. The alternative health guys loved him. <laughs> um, but uh, like the guy, here's a, all right, here's a weird ass story. All right. Um, do you guys believe in woo? Like, do you guys believe like in any woo? Do you think everything is like, we've answered everything and it's like. I'm on the spectrum of like, I'm open to shit if it works. I'll, I'll, I'll hear people out. Yeah, you'll hear people yeah. out. Right. right. And that's kind of how I am. Unless they're fucking idiots that I just, yeah. yeah. I, I skew um, a little less open to woo than you guys do. Yeah. But I. Again, I'm not totally closed. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not talking about religion and God and shit, but I'm, I'm like, <laughs> there's a, here's the thing. About 10 years ago, my best friend, his uh, sister-in-law, all of a sudden, all she would talk about is, I think I have a brain tumor. And I remember, we were like, who the fuck says this? I think I have a brain tumor. <laughs> like, 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 what do you mean? Like, maybe you have, you have a headache? You have a migraine? You know? And she's like, no, I can't get this out of my head. I think I have a brain tumor. And I was just, and this isn't like somebody I, you know, someone cooking up a story on Oprah. This is someone I've known for 20 years. And so finally her husband is like, all right, fine. You know, get, get scanned for a brain tumor. And they, she has a brain tumor. Okay. Um, and it was inoperable and, um, and, and she's still with us, but it's uh, the whole, the whole family. Everyone was just like, how does this, it just seemed like a really freak kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, just whatever moved on. Um, and then about a few years ago, my wife, 
And my wife is a, is a, is science based. She's fucking 15 years of pediatric dentistry and all. Um, she's like, I think I need a, I think I need a mammogram. I think I might have breast cancer. And I'm like, you don't have fucking breast cancer because I'm an expert, you know? Um, and she's like, I just, she's like, I can't get this out of my head. And, and I'm like, you know what this is? I said, you're piggybacking off of this other, you know, cause she knew this woman too, who had the brain tumor. Like, yeah. you're just like, you know, you're adopting her story, you know, and now it's in your head and that's all this is. So I'm shitting on her, on her constantly. And, um, fine. She goes to see our, her physician. The physician's like, you're an idiot. Like you have no direct link, you know, to breast cancer. I'm not going to give you a, a mammogram or it's either a mammogram or MRI. I forget. You can wait by your, our standards. You can wait till you're 40 and then we'll begin routine testing. But I'm not, she's, we're not testing you now. You are completely out to lunch. Get this out of your head. And so that was that. But I knew my wife, that wasn't good enough for her. So we happened to be in New York at the time. And, uh, and Charles happened to be there. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, let's go, let's go for lunch with Charles. And um, she tells this story. And Charles starts asking questions. And uh, uh, it was actually, a, we booked a consult. So she had her blood work with him. And she looked, uh, Charles looked at her, her estrogen levels, uh, the fact that she had PCOS, uh, uh, the fact that she's blonde and from like um, uh, kind of Ukrainian heritage. Um, these are all the things that went into his thought process. And he said, especially the PCOS and the estrogen, he said, if I were you, he goes, I'd spend the money, get, get a mammogram you know, or just do it. And so then that's all she needed to hear. And she was off and we flew to Vancouver and she had very early stage, super aggressive breast cancer. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, um, Within 10 days, uh, she was getting treated, like she had surgery, uh, radiation. And uh, I got to know her oncologist because he was like kind of a bro. He was the younger guy. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I mean, this is what her physician said to wait till 40. If we had taken that advice, uh, what would have happened? And he just looked at me and he said, we wouldn't be treatment planning. We would be doing end of life strategy. So, So I was like... After that, every year I would shoot Charles an email and just thank him for that. So that's that's a beautiful story, and I think that yeah. there we know there are things that are really hard yeah. to explain out there. So yeah, and, and, and to be fully fair, like he did, like you know, he didn't fucking create a potion and you know, yeah. inculcate magic. You know, he just looked at some blood work and looked at some like, and he, you know, just the correlations between PCOS and cancer. That's all he did. Is, all he did was take her seriously, really. Well, and but that's the thing with yeah. the woo is like you can call it whatever you want, but like certain parts of it, like even if you look at some of the like functional med stuff that's like legit, is like they're looking at science based stuff. It's just not accepted for what they're looking for because it's not yeah. popular. Like, and it may be, and then it might be out of the woo. You know what I mean? So like him yeah. looking at that blood work and be like, oh, it's fucking weird. You're talking about genetic heritage, but that stuff is getting more predominant. So it's kind of yeah. like I don't know. A lot of this shit's coming out that it shouldn't yeah. be woo, but it is. And yeah, and, and again, just to be fully clear, like it's not that he did anything exceptional. It's not like he like read her palm and, and anything. Like he just basically he did what her physician should have done. Yeah. You know. Um, and so to that end, uh, you know, I, I always thanked him. So, and um, yeah, 
Well, a lot of good. Like, in the, yeah, I don't know your thoughts mm-hmm. on that, but again, a guy like that, as much as all that shit comes out with like the nutritional stuff, he's a very well learned individual. You know what I mean? And he knew a lot of shit. So I mean, like the good with the bad, but like the fact that that guy who is the king of hypertrophy in terms of like German volume training could look mm. at the blood work and stuff. There was a lot more to him than just kind of what was out there. I think a good thing to take away from this is, and, and I can sometimes get caught in black and white thinking with stuff, is a lot of this stuff is very, very gray in our industry. A lot of fit pros do tend to take very hard black and white stances on things, be it mm-hmm. evidence-based or just their opinions on what other professionals are doing. Yeah. And I think it is good to step back and, and see the nuance of it and I do believe you can look at the good contributions that someone's had, even if some of the stuff that they have been a part of is a little off base. I think when you get into really, really nasty and unethical shit, mm-hmm. then that... You I can, think it's intention. You can, Yeah, it's intention. And I, I don't ever believe that anything I knew about Charles is his intentions were anything other than really, really wanting to help people and, and expand the knowledge base that's out there. Well, yeah, and you know, he had an enormous ego. And so he always wanted to be the man, you know, like that. He had to be the man. So, um, fuck TC could probably tell horror stories. Like whenever a new strength coach, uh, when Charles was still a teenager, whenever they bring on a new strength coach, he'd be like, who's this fucking loser? You know, and, and just, <laughs> just the most acerbic, this nasty guy that way. But what I did find interesting about him though, is I would take his courses and some of them would be okay. Um, some of them would be really shitty, like just total money making, like just just not they're just not organized. Um, but I would always make a point of and this is something I've done ever since I took, took coaching seriously is if I if I think somebody has something for me, um, I'll pay for their time. Yeah. Um, and it's cost me a lot of money. Um, and sometimes it's a total dud. Like I'll pay for somebody's time and I'm like, I should have just went and got a really good, you know, exotic massage. Um, or, or sometimes <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Your wife um, really better not ever listen to this episode or you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, well, gosh, <laughs> she, she, she loves me. Um, but with Charles, uh, whenever I'd hand him, unfortunately a lot of money and we go off into the back room and he'd look at my business or he'd look at my specifically be my training or my programming or my own training, he would give me, you know, a few pieces of advice. And I could say with total honesty that nothing that he had ever told me to do directly, like look, look, assessing me directly, nothing didn't work. So, I mean, and that's whether it was like, you know, how to position myself in the industry, what to, you know, you know, just well, what loading parameters to use, how, you know, like you, you assess my volume tolerance, all this stuff, you know? Well, let's even talk about that. Like your position in the industry, like, cause obviously there's been a huge influence and we talked about your growth before the podcast, but we'll call it like, you're kind of in your own space. You're kind of at the place in which you're at now. And, and you've almost had to guard it, if that makes sense. So I guess in the context of like not letting people, you call it gaslighting, but how can yeah. we guard against this? Cause like Patrick had to do it or um, Charles and what form does this gaslighting usually take in person and on social media, especially in your career and kind of the space in which you're at now, which is a lot of knowledge based in that growth that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, like I, I made a point a long time ago, um, like just to, to not fight on Facebook unless it's such a, unless it's something I feel so passionate about, 
Uh, or if it's just such a blatantly attack, something's blatantly wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? If someone says the capital of, of the capital of Canada is Vancouver, and you're like, it's not fucking Vancouver. It's just, this is wrong. You know, you have to get in there. <laughs> yeah, the Calgary flames fucking suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Um, but just all, you know, and obviously everything with the election just brought it to a, like, I remember I spent a Labor Day weekend not too terribly long ago. On, like basically on fucking Facebook, and I'm like, what the, f-? you know, even when I was out, you know, whatever, like on the park party. bench, yeah, on the park bench, drunk, you know, you know, <laughs> being filleted by a squirrel, you know, I was still, I was still fucking on Facebook, and uh, and as, as I made that point then that this is not for me, like this is not what I want to do, so I made a little switch and I said. If I'm going to go on this fucking thing, I'm going to go on Facebook. I'm going to try to deliver value. Okay. I'm not going to just pimp my shit. I'm not just going to try to hear myself talk, see how smart I am. I'm going to try to give value. And value can be, you know, a training tip. It can be a funny story. It can be just, you know, you know sometimes I get, on, I get on a kick where I go through all my client back and forth and I see stuff that, you know, that help people and I condense it. I put it on Facebook. Like, you know, this is value. This helps people. Um, and I don't, and I don't argue, really try not to argue. And that's just been like so helpful because you just, even if people don't agree with you, um, if you're giving them, if you're, if you're giving them something for free to make their life better, they don't agree with you. They're not, they're, they're not going to throw it back at you. You know, uh, they just might not use it. Um, so that's really brought down the amount of gaslighting, like, People don't fuck with me much on Facebook. I would agree. I would agree. Like people don't really fuck with you, probably because you have good answers. I think if you (laughs) want to pay attention to the industry, the degree to which people fuck with other people is proportionate to the amount that they react backwards. Like uh, we talked about Nick Tuminello on his episode, and I mean Nick doesn't engage us for a shit at all, and therefore Nick doesn't get any of it. Um, and my favorite example, of course, is you just go watch Lane Norton on Twitter, right? Oh, I mean, he's just, yeah. he invites it. Of course, it's part of his whole thing, but he invites endless amounts of it uh, because he responds to it, right? So, and that works yeah. for, that works for Lane. And I, I love Lane's work and I think he's fantastic, but he takes a very different approach that I think most people probably should. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, that works for him and, and, you know, he's a bright guy, he's a good businessman, God bless him, but... For me, I don't want to invite that kind of energy into my life, you know? Like, I don't want to have, um, I'm not saying my life can't be without confrontation it's, or, or, you know, stern debate, but I, I just can't, I still want to, it can't always be war, you know? It's like when you're in a relationship and you just, you know, you, and you know you're going to have another fight and you just look at your wife or girlfriend and you're like, you know what? I should have just slept in the car <laughs> last night. <laughs> let's, just, let's just sit this one out, you know? <laughs> You know, like, we played this chess game before, you know, we can go through the moves, but, you know. I finally had that realization at about 30. I had enough of those fights where, like, we kind of both yeah. just look at each other, like, not this again. Like, let's just laugh. And <laughs> just, let's not have this one, because we know it's not. It's the same fight from last year. Well, exactly. And I mean, um, I remember I, I I had a really, I got, I got caught into one. Um, it was about cancer. And that was why, like, yeah. if it's anything about training... Like, I'm fucking Yoda. I'm not getting involved. You know, I might come in and, and offer my thing. And, and if someone calls me a name, I'll just drift out. It doesn't bother me, you know. But it was about cancer. And at the time, it was a sensitive subject to me. And, and I caught myself going in a back and forth. What the fuck was I arguing about? Oh, um, dosages of Novodex, you know, for, for breast cancer. And we're going back and forth. And, 
and this guy's Novadex is a your tamoxifen is a poison, and and then we're doing, and I'm like, why are we arguing this? Well, like, because he was a, he was another guy whose mother or wife had breast cancer, and he's actually a friend of mine, and I have this connection, and I'm like, we're sitting here burning up the fucking page, arguing about this, like we're we're this is not worth our time, <laughs> you know. We should be with our partners who have this disease, supporting them, not like fucking waving our dicks on Facebook. Um, so that kind of, then you step back and you look at the medium and especially in fitness and that's all that it is, is, um, is, is just people self positioning themselves as experts and as authoritarians and, and with, with, this is the one thing too. And we talked about it with, um, on our other podcast, but the position of as authoritarians and, and experts to the other experts and like the actual people aren't even listening to them, like the, the we'll call it the general population, but the people looking to give them money, they're fighting with the other people that are yeah. in the industry. And like, it's just this like argument about, like you said, training philosophies that are pretty much relatively all the fucking same. <laughs> like, oh, it's so, I, like, if you take somebody, I, I do this all the time, like, if you take somebody and you give them a really shitty program, like not really shitty, but just a shit program, yeah. you know, so, something we do in high school, um, but they love it, man. They're like, fuck, I love this program. And they get up and they, you know, they eat a big ass breakfast and they get all yeah. popped up and they go to the gym and they fucking crush it. And even though it's like 18 sets of concentration curls <laughs> and there's, you know, all this pec deck work and stuff, but they're hammering it and they're loading it and they're making these, all these positive, there, there are all these positive associations between training and effort yeah. and progression. And they're, they're laying that framework. They will get such better results than someone who goes, all right, here's my, um, uh, you know, my, what was that fucking DUP routine? Uh, <laughs> daily undulating. <laughs> fucking ask Dave Tate about daily undulating theories. I mean, should go get a laugh. Um, so here's my DUP routine. Now I got to, my, my RPE today is supposed to be seven. But, you know, I, I, I didn't have my cornflakes, so I'm going to stop at six. And then I'm going to – you're going to get nowhere. Well, and we, get fucking nowhere. We talked about this, like, in the in the, in the message, and we're kind of like, hey, which of the fuck should we, should we talk about? And it was just like how everything fucking works at this point. And it's just about the coaching, which was about – I think you said coaching is just about emotions. Or managing emotions? Yeah. Was that what it was? <clears throat> yeah. Coaching is managing emotions. I mean, you, if, even if you remember saying that, you probably ranted a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's – well, it's, man, it's certainly managing emotions. It's it's on the diet and it's managing lifestyle. Yeah, like and that's that's where I spend. Fuck, that's where I spend the lion's share of my time. Is I is and I've gotten pretty good at it. Is I is I look for lifestyle landmines and they're just they're just everywhere. You know, with uh, you know I have a lot of like medical professionals that have signed on lately, and it's always wine. It's always wine. Um, or other drugs and, um, or, you know, or, or just late night TV, late night arguing, late night eating. Like I love a 7 PM rule. Like don't eat after seven. Everyone laughs at that. No, it's bullshit. You know, of course it's bullshit. But if someone doesn't eat after seven, they're not, they're probably not going to eat garbage, you know, because that's when people eat garbage. So if you instill this rule that they can follow and that it's easy, They'll get results. Like, I don't give a fuck. I, I'm a pragmatist. Like, I look for where the biggest problems are, and I solve those first. Uh, I'm, we've, we talked about this recently on the podcast about using rules. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. you can get into trouble with them. I think it was Danny Sugar, actually, we talked about this with. 
And in some places, yeah, you can actually create a framework with some rules that can be beneficial. If you have someone with a late night eating, which we fucking know is not doing anything mm-hmm. in, in terms of its the calories after 9 p.m. or something. But not everyone's looking at that fucking lens. But what happens is, is people with... What do you go for when you eat after 9 p.m.? What do I go for when Cereal. I eat after 9 p.m.? Cereal. I eat garbage. And I have exactly. the metabolism to handle it. But yeah. we're going for shit that tastes good. So if someone is afflicted by that and getting them to say, okay, I'm not going to eat anything past 9 p.m. And they pure like, oh, that's wrong. Because no, fuck, it only- works for that person. That's where coaching comes into effect, though, because we talk about the science shit that informs all this dumb shit. But, like, if you, if you suck at fucking coaching, you ain't going to get anything out of them. Well, exactly. It is – and, you know, I, and I've, pre- I've presented that on Facebook. And, of course, it's always the fucking fit bros. They're always like, well, you can still educate your client that our metabolism is not dictated by the clock. It's actually a seven-day aggregate. Like, yeah, I can fucking do that. But they don't give a fuck. That. But at the end of the day, this person's paying me because they want to fucking look better. And that's what we're going to do. You know? It's actually funny. Um, the first time I met you, you had done a presentation in Kansas City. And your presentation actually had a lot of things about, like, just rules that you could use. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for handing your clients. And there was a one of the other presenters, I won't name who it was, but pretty much has that exact voice you just made. Was <laughs> sitting in the audience. Was actually quite cranky about what you're Fuck presenting because... Guy. You know, you're, you're doing all these pragmatic rules things that sort of violated the, the theoretical yeah. science of it. And, and this individual seemed quite irritated with this whole thing. And I, I just dismissed it because I thought it was bullshit that she well, was worried about. But Hey, man, I'm a coach. Yeah. I'm not a fucking teacher. Like, like no, that's a bad I'm not a I'm not a researcher. Yeah. I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a conduit. More, you know what I mean? That's how I like to – and how – Interestingly, how my business has evolved a lot is um, is is just getting away from all the data, getting away from all the oh the, you know the macros here and you know oh you hit, you hit your PR here. Oh, that's important, of course, but getting into their motivation and just getting into their mindset and just and you know are they pursuing this goal because. It's something that they really want and something that, you know, that makes them feel empowered or is it just this thing that they've been told to do or that society has told them to do, or it's just like this burning insecurity, you know, that, 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 you know, you know, I've had so many people break down and every trainer's had this, like clients break down crying when they talk about this, you know, because it is such a personal journey. And if you try to divorce all emotion out of it, like a lot of these wannabe geek all these fit pros who think they're fucking scientists and they don't even have a bachelor of science, much less a stats degree. You know, it's like I got a buddy who's a PhD in, in, in statistics. He won't even slum around in my world. Because <laughs> he fuck him up. No, he, he's like, I can't read. Oh. Any of your, he goes, I can't read any of your people you follow and admire. He goes, because they're, they're too fucking stupid. Like they need yes, to I get, <laughs> you know, so he goes like, you guys are in the toy department and just remember that. But anyway, you know, he texts, so he texts you that weekly. Remember, you're, you're yeah, playing the toy department. You know, so anyway, what was I saying? But so I try to because that's not my that's not what's what important. What's important is understanding you know where people are coming from, why they want to accomplish this, and what is holding them back. Because it's usually two or three things. Sometimes it's just one fucking thing, and it goes back into their childhood, yeah. and it's deep. And, you know, you're not playing fucking therapist and all this, so don't sue me. But you're just asking the right questions and and giving kind of a safe 
safe environment for people to reveal themselves. Like I had a guy yesterday, he's just like, sent me his blood work, like his TRT, like his, his, his meds, like he's so fucking dialed. His training was pretty good. Could, could be a bit better, a little too uh, technical. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't see a lot of effort in it, but very good. Supplementation program, like holy fuck, you know, everything dialed, smart guy, successful, making money. And he's like, why, why can't I lose fat here? And he's got his, you know, on thyroid meds and, you know, and he fucks around on the dark side sometimes. He's like, why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? And after half an hour, it's because, you know what? When he was a kid and he'd freak out, his parents would make him or his mom would make him a peanut butter sandwich. And so now with his businesses and his wife and his young family, when he gets stressed at night, what does he do? He eats peanut butter sandwich. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's things like that, man. We go back to our childhood. So you have to. Well, that's kind of where everyone gets caught up on scope and all that shit. But that's a pretty fucking easy thing to figure out if you ask the right questions. Yeah. And like like you said, it just, that's just being a coach. Like you're not saying, hey, your childhood's fucked up. You're like, oh, maybe that peanut butter sandwich is attached to this emotion. But like yeah. try this. Fucking. You can let. Yeah, you're not diagnosing them as. You know what I mean? Like you're just literally coming up with tools based on a conversation. But thing is, so this is a guy. So, you know, when you're dealing with, um, obviously dealing with men and dealing with women, very, very different. Yeah. You know, you ask a guy, hey, man, how's it going? Fine. Good. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how's the diet? Good. You know, how's the workout? Great. You know, it's just like, okay. And then you get to know them and they open up a little bit. But if they're successful and if they're, I'm, I'm loath to use the word alpha, but if they're like, they're kind of like, they've learned that they were going to like just keep a focus through the bad times and stay positive and, you know, not dwell on things. Um, they're tough to let you in. So you have to kind of like, you know, you have to kind of finagle your way into their personality and, and get that trust where they'll reveal that, you know? Absolutely. But that's, but that's what I mean. That, that's what it comes down to. Like get some fucking guy who thinks he's a scientist to go tell that guy the same thing. And they can't do it. Like that's where your experience and just being yeah. a coach and a bro or whatever you want to call it. But like understanding people comes into a way larger role than what people think. Because they think yeah. if they get smart at training, they're just going to automatically fix people. It's like, well, no, you can know everything about a bench press, but you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? The well, exactly. And their personality type like that, too, that is that, that goes into their programming. Like, you know, some people, they, you know, they need that really prescriptive. And that's when you might program a lot of percentage-based stuff, you know, because um, they need to know everything that's in the mix. And, you know, i got another guy who's a cardiologist, and he's just like, just tell me what the fuck to do. You know, that's all he's, you know, he's like, tell me what to do. I don't care about the why. He's like, just tell me what to do. You know, when I I ask him about heart stuff, (laughs) then he has a lot of information for me. Then I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's his wheelhouse. But, you know, he's like, this is your shit. Just tell me what to do. You you train cardiologists. I actually have two of them. It's fantastic. These two best friends who trained me for years. They're fantastic. You get to train like doctors like that specialized. They're wonderful because they high powered professionals of almost like any walk. They're great at telling you to just tell me what the fuck to do. Yep. They, they like having the decisions removed from the process for them. Yep. And they just want someone to really just take the reins and guide them. And they're pretty good at doing what you tell them. So you get people like that. They're fu- they're a fucking gift and they're fun to hang out with. Oh, totally. And I mean, a top easiest sign is to, to spot a terrible or, or nervous trainer is if they if they're, they never stop fucking talking. Yeah. You know, like even a squat. You know, squat is like a punch. You never, you never truly master it in your entire life. It can always get better. But 
you shouldn't be talking your client's fucking ear off the whole time, you know? Or telling them a million it, things to do. This is another thing I've, I've learned over the years is like, we'll say they're nervous, but they're like talking about how smart they are. Oh, you should do this, this, and this, and this. You literally oh, yeah. gave them 10 cues that they don't fucking understand any of them. And now they think that they're broken. And now their squat looks even worse. And like, you didn't even know your squat cues you're talking about because you're a fucking idiot. And like, it's just like, I don't know. I think people overcoach things and that's them not being a good coach. They think they need to coach every little thing. But the awareness on that is just, I think, lost in a lot of people, a lot of new trainers anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's like anything in life. You got to establish what the you know what Kelly says are, are the big rocks. Yeah, start with those. You know, like if they look like address a, that address that first, man. If they look like a camel when they're squatting, like yeah, if me fucking fix a view, like, most people most people aren't that fucking bad. You know what I mean? Like fix the stuff that matters, like or like what do you call them landmines? Like fix the big shit. Yeah. But it's also yeah, that's I think that's low hanging fruit though. That's another word for landmine. Well, here's a here's a funny lad about it, but it's so much like over the weekend. Uh, uh, John Moretti was kind enough to he's got a really good book coming out about fitness pros and um, <laughs> and like everything Berardi fucking does. Whenever I read it, like I've known Berardi for twenty years as well. Whenever whenever he fucking does something, it's always so much better than anything I could do. I get pissed off, so I tend to like avoid him. But um, so anyway, he sends me he sends me this book. He's like, hey, would you would you mind reading it? And, and I'm like, I'm not going to edit. I don't want to edit it. He's like, no, just give me your thoughts. Um, and uh, anyway, there's a lot of anecdotes. And, 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 and there's um, there's one kind of – he, he was speaking at an event when I, kind of when I first met him. And this again, this is at, this is at a Perform Better uh, in Long Beach. This must have been fucking 2003 or so. Um and anyway, I, I remember I wanted to go hear Barati speak. I was just getting to we hung out a few times, and uh, so I went to went there. I went by myself. Um, so I'm in California, and I wait for the thing to start. I'm like, all right, I can go grab lunch. So I'm in the restaurant, and I'm seated next to a bunch of really, really new fit pros. You know, the, like the guys they, they like, you know, no muscle yet, but they got the they got the shirts out of the day. They got their wearing their name tags at like you know. You know the type, and then there's yep. the more seasoned trainers who are kind of like been there, done that. And we, but these guys are like maybe 20, super keen, and they were looking through the schedule for perform better. All right, and they're like, oh my god, you know, um, who's who's talking? It's like Alan Cosgrove's talking here. Holy shit, we listen to Alan Cosgrove, and wow, John Barardi's talking here, man. No, <laughs> fuck, John Barardi's talking here. John Ferrari's talking here. Mark Fristig is talking here. Uh, Joe Dodell is talking here. Um, and this other guy who's going to write a nameless. Who, who, they're like, oh, we got to go see him. And this other guy who remained nameless, I sort of knew. And, and he's still in the industry. And I'm like, okay, I'll you – know, he's a big name. I'll go sit on his talk. And uh, and he packed the place, man. And it was like he was a really popular speaker. And, uh, and he comes out. And, and you have to – this guy is a, a seasoned – coach that all these other young coaches are looking up to okay and all these other young coaches are kind of like they're trying you know they're looking who to emulate you know that's really what they're doing and um and the speaker tells a story he's like yeah i was uh i was in my facility and you know i noticed one of my new trainers had a client doing an exercise that wasn't on them wasn't on the program and you know i went up to her and i said 
know, why are you performing this exercise? It's not on the, on the program. And the, uh, the new trainer said to me, well, you know, uh, I was looking at her and I thought, it, and I cut her off right there. I said, that's the mistake you made. You thought. So, so that's the story. This guy fucking tells a room full of like new trainers and the, 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 like the air went out of the room and all these guys were like, wow, you're an asshole. (laughs) Arrogant. (laughs) And so like, anyway, I tell that story because, um, that was like a real touch point for me, you know, and you only have a few of these in your life, like where you, where all of a sudden it's like you're lifted out of the matrix and you realize, you know, all these people that you might admire, you might enjoy their work, you might, whatever, aspire to be like them you realize you're a fucking asshole i don't want anything to do with you and this particular guy nobody likes him <laughs> i've had words with him i've had that involved me saying like i'm gonna put you through the fucking wall you know and, that, and it never came to fruition but it might um this is before facebook so you can't really... <laughs> yeah yeah not a facebook you actually don't like, like, yeah anyway but but that was a real touch point for me because it's like you don't have to be that way as a coach, you don't have to be like the know-it-all and you don't have to like be the fucking guru and you don't have to, you, you know, you get better by empowering people, you know, and, and making them better than you and smarter than you, not like being condescending like that. I, I, I find it the way a lot of those people are, we'll call them gurus. We'll talk about people who have like, they get stuck on models, their models, the fucking best. Those are yeah. my favorite people in terms of like, the future because i know i can be better than them because th- then they get a they and, and all their followers the same thing because everyone they get stuck on one point and they know yeah. everything but like new shit's come like calories in calories out so that's a fairly new fucking yeah. thing in terms of being scientifically backed you know what i mean well, so like shit's evolving we don't know well, shit well and it's always like it's always just a, a hesitation to embrace anything new yeah. and i'm the worst at that like technology i'm always like uh, you know you know, you give me a new phone and I'm fucked for a week. So I'm like, how do I open this thing? Like this new iPhone without the without the home button? I'm going to fucking destroy it. We were, like, talk- I can't- we were talking about that before though. Is this, the- and we'll talk Facebook. I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. But a lot of these people, and we'll say new people, but they'll get so entrenched in some of these newer technologies that they forget to become experts in what they are yeah. doing. That mm-hmm. That's long lasting. Like when Facebook goes away one day or when like they had Vine, Vine is fucking off the map. There's a lot of people lost their revenue streams when shit goes off because they didn't master their craft, so to speak. And that's yeah. kind of where you might not be a millionaire, you might not hit it big, but you'll have something that is like... I don't have like, any sympathy for anyone who is like famous because of Vine. No, no, but what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is there's people who build... You're not, you're not contributing people, anything of value to There's people who build like, their business models on one thing. Like, let's just say we'll use fucking FRC because FRC is hot. If someone builds their whole career of FRC and someone 10 years down the line said FRC is full of shit... Like, you just lost everything. So you have to kind of take in everything it's for what it is. what happened to the functional yeah. movement screen crowd. Same right? thing, yeah. FMS. FMS is fucking getting just pillaged right now. And there's a bunch of people defending it. But they're the guys who are kind of falling off the map. Because they're like, it's the way. And it's fine. Well, it was the way for a while. But Well, yeah. You, you always have to... The, the principles... You have to always learn the principles. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and those are you know where you build your foundations. And... Uh, but after the principles, then now you get the rules. The rules tend to be a little bit more flexible and, and certainly contextual. Um, and again, as if you when you switch from more 
like strength coaching into like body composition coaching where there's lots of things in the mix like stress, um, sleep, you know, uh, obviously nutrition and the things that affect nutrition, the things that affect cravings, you know, you know, it's everything is cyclical. It's like a, it's like all these things you've got to manage. It's hard to have hard based rules, you know? And so people sometimes ask me, they're like, well, like, what's your system? Like, what's your, like, what's your coaching system? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I see what you, I see what you bring to the table. Um, you know, and then I pour a glass of something really, really strong and I figure it out. Well, and I try, I try to figure it out as fast as possible and then get them in a pattern to execute. I, this resonates with me so much and it's weird because you talk about systems and I see yeah. fitness professionals who develop systems and I've always felt kind of almost like I'm lost because I yeah. always take every client and I'll, while, while I will work within like programming templates and paradigms loosely that's in, yeah. that are in my mind, not on paper, I've always approached every client I've worked with with a blank slate and craft it from the ground up with them. And I've always shit. felt like that was inefficient, but to hear someone who's had a ton of longevity and success, who I've been following for a very goddamn long time to more or less say that same sort of thing. And I realize that I've arrived at that same thing that someone else I respect has. It's like, Hmm. Okay. You know, it, it feels a little validated. Let's just put it that way. You're not oh, I'm, it's like, remember when people used to, um, you know, they say, okay, it's 12 weeks till my contest. You know, and I have uh, 25 pounds of fat to lose. And, you know, if I, you know, that's, that's whatever, <laughs> the math is escaping me. Yeah. That's uh, 2.5 pounds a week. You know, that's, you know, that's far too fast. But you know what I mean? Remember when people used to do that? Like they would determine the amount of fat they had to lose and then they would go X weeks back from their contest. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. Obviously it makes sense. But the, the fucking problem is at the end of the day, the body decides what it's going to do and you can coax it and give all the, you know, the right amount of calories, the right amount of cardio. And it will still not always say how high when you yell jump. Well, and they're learning know? about stress management at this point. Even thinking about that intensively is going to fuck you up. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's where exactly. like the thought yeah. that you're thinking that hard is <laughs> stressful and you're not going to lose it. And that, that just comes down to like your axes. Like it just fuck. That's fucking science. Like calm the like, fuck I down. Yeah, like I see that all the time. Like people start to press, like uh, not even press by cutting calories or doubling cardio. They just press mentally, yeah. and and things stall. And like and I was like, just you know, chill out, just focus on your process, man. You know, and that's why having a deadline, I think, kind of fucking sucks. Like it's great because it puts a fire under your ass, but if it forces you to press, um, you might not get the result that you want. It's better to have like a flexible deadline. Well, and just understanding that. And I think that that's where simplicity by the coach is good if it's well-informed. Because, like, if you're, if you're thinking stress is affecting thyroid and then affecting, like, hormones and stuff, but you don't tell people that, as mm. opposed to being, like, you got to count this, 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 because this is the fucking science. Like, that's just, I guess I'm saying that's just coaching. you got to use your fucking brain and be informed yeah. by a lot of stuff that maybe most people don't think about outside of hard scientific numbers. Well, yeah, and, and I've tried to, uh, like, when I do respond to client check-ins, I try to... Um, uh, I try to bring that kind of levity into it. Like not levity, but I don't want to respond to people like, like I'm a fucking scientist and their bodies, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the diagnostics on their Jeep, you know, like we're, that's not how I, I do it. It's always keeping it like, yeah, man, we, we did the best we could here, but numbers look pretty good. Body didn't quite respond. So let's, you know, let's just chill. 
keep at it another week. Don't change anything. I mean, you did it already. It should be easier now. Don't change anything. And the body might reward you, you know, just kind of keep it like, keep it light. <laughs> you're, basically, um, you're, you're basically Yoda again. That's Yoda. That's right. what Yoda does. So well, it's just, English, but. yeah, yeah, it's kind of Yoda. You know, it's just, it's, it's just having humility to realize like that, the, that this organism that we're operating, we have a lot of control. Like we control what we eat and what we drink and how much sleep we get, but much of it is beyond our control. So all we can do is put ourselves in the best position to get the, a favorable result, you know? And, and pray they're not one of Paul Quinn's non-responders. Yeah, but you're not a fucking non There's some, there's some people shit. that just fucking suck. And, like, not personally, but, like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's people... Like, it's, it's fucking you, terrible. Like yeah. you, got, you got a bad hand. Like, honestly, you go be a scientist. Well, Marty talked about this. Sorry, Mar- Marty was actually... Mega Marty was talking about how, like, he was one of these guys... And they figured out his like test was like in the toilet, and then oh yeah, he's all fuck is fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah, his, uh... Maybe it was his haircut, Marty. Maybe you watched a little too much before four in the ter- early two thousands. <laughs> if you're not yeah. Canadian, you might not recognize B four four. Is that are they Canadian? Yeah, they're Canadian. He totally that's saw the, that fucking. That's video. the twins, right? They're that's the, tw- the I think they're twins, and they're just these they dudes went... with like, like straightened hair and fucking prostitutes. Yeah, there's twins, and then some guy with brown hair. So the twins went on. They actually have a, a very successful like classical opera career or something. I don't know if it's opera, but they like, they're like adult contemporary singers. Yeah, they are actually. I wouldn't like... Re- it's like, uh, what's the name? Dallas, um, fuck, Dallas Smith from Default is like You're a right, super he, successful country singer. So is, so is what, uh, Hootie the Blowfish, uh, Darius Rucker. Yeah. Anyway, that's You're totally... right, they, he, he, one of them was like a famous opera singer anyway. No, the twins are. Yeah. The twins went on, so. I don't know what, well, where this well, lies. I know the guy from like, Skid Row is like an opera singer. Yeah, yeah. Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Yeah. This, and he's on Trailer Park Boys. There's a picture circulating now about it's a picture of Axl Rose and Mickey Rourke together. Have you seen this thing? It's a holy meme. fuck. Is he fat? <laughs> they, they, the, the quote is like they look like a, a lesbian couple who own like an antique store. It's it, it's a good meme. They just Axl poor. He's just different than he used to be. So anyway, <laughs> Man, that's a we're, we're, we're gonna catch shit for making fun of people, but that's all good. Uh, let's. We totally went off the script, which actually made this episode so much better. But I did want to actually have fun with one quote. Uh, you said, I manage my way through running tends to be <laughs> industry coach where I have unresolved food issues that will require professional unpacking, end quote. I can't wait to hear this explanation. You know, it's, it's, a guy once asked me, I, I did a talk uh, once, and, and a guy asked me, he's like, He's like, can I shadow you one day? And I'm like, shadow me? And he's like, yeah, I want to see your process. And I said, my fucking process? He's like, yeah, your writing process. It's like when you, when you come up with things. Like he, like he's one of these structured guys. Like yeah, fucking, you know, well, I get up at 6.15 and have my lemon water and pray and write 400 words. Like, I'm like, dude, I don't really have a process, man. I'm like, I got two bulldogs and I got a fat kid and an angry wife. I, mean, I just get up and I just, you know. <laughs> I slept in the car last night. Like, it's fucked. Yeah. Like, I'm sleeping on a park bench. And uh, and anyway, man, I said, I don't really have a, I said, my, well, this is what I said to him. I said, well, uh, my process is rather dynamic. And um, I, I said, you know, but I'll get back to you. Long story short, don't see my fucking process because my process is eventually I get enough of this melee in my house under control that I sit down in front of my fucking computer. I'm like, all right, what's going on in, in, in social media land? And I just see all this bullshit and all this self, the self aggrandizing is what gets me. It's like, eh, I ran for 15 clicks today. So now I can go and eat, you know, like, or now I can, 
people still say shit like that. Oh, you know, I ran, I did all this activity. So now I could go and eat this huge amount of food. I'm like, do you still see your body that way? Do you really think that that's how this works? Like, like, my buddies, the, my buddies, and what, and like, fuck you, my buddies on WhatsApp. Like, my, they were like, oh, the, the step tracker on my phone tells me how many calories I burn now with it. So like, we can re- we replenish fuck. that. And I was like, I was like, are you guys fucking serious? I'm like, just don't eat as much. Like, what? they're like, well, no, it's just neat. And I'm like, no, it's not neat. You're fucking stupid. Something that <laughs> yeah, I do. I was like, told them I that. get this all of the time from clients and the ones that are tracking their calories, and then they'll ask me, well, uh about at putting in their exercise yeah, and counting the exercise oh, calories. Don't do it. And I'm like, don't do I'm it. like no, you, you don't do that. Because what that does is that gives them a license to add back in those calories. And I'm like, completely and utterly disregard the amount yep. of calories you're burning on your exercise. We've set the calorie numbers for the ones that we do this with. Ignore the rest and eat to those numbers. You don't get to create more calories by going and running no. or doing other shit. No, exactly. And... And even if the physiology physiology was remotely accurate, I mean, all these like your fucking Fitbit or whatever. Like, I have an Apple Watch. The thing is, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to use the R word. The thing is moronic. Like, it's just not accurate. <laughs> you know, like all of this is. If you it, you have all these best guesstimates, like if you ever if you ever figure out like read about how they get the calorie expenditures for like treadmills and shit, it's, an it's just a basic. Based on a gyrometer or whatever, like doing this yeah. shit, and it's like it's, it's it might it's be a fairly accurate. Equation, you know, but that, like, that that information isn't fucking important, especially the steps. Exactly, exactly. So if you let that get into your mental kitchen, all right, and you have all this data, and this data is not remotely accurate, okay, it's best guesses. You know, it's it's me peeing out my window. I don't even know what that means, but it's like, it's <laughs> me like, either. I don't know. You know. Like and, and now you're going to make decision processes and lifestyle processes and, and like rationalize food choices about this, you know, like that is just, it's not dangerous. It's just so fucking stupid. Like you're focusing on the wrong shit. Like, like, like you, you can control what you eat. You, you know, the calorie counts on, on, you know, normal foods aren't that accurate, but they're pretty good. You know, I think Greg Knuckles did a really good breakdown you know how it goes up and it goes down and it all cut it all kind of comes out in the wash you know, they're pretty accurate just focus on that and don't try to offset it with expenditure like i had this person oh i just step up my gardening when i want to lose weight i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like, it, it, like if anything it's you're getting all this extra vitamin d so you're getting a little bit of um you know situational hypermetabolism. like maybe that's what's helping you burn some calories and curb your appetite and such but it's like it's just like they want to ignore the fucking basics. Like it just it just makes no sense because like they're like it I, it does make sense. Like that's behavior and the dopamine drip, all that bullshit. But it's just like fucking for real right now. Like you, what the fuck? Well, you can't say. My, that. Oh, I guess my, you can say that depends on the person. But the simplest is always the best. And it's funny. Like the guy who's helping me with my doing some business, like emailing shit for me. Um, he always said he's like fascinated by this this nutrition concept that i use and and, he, and he's like he's like it's so simple like how did you come up with it and what it is is it was from a muscle media in like 1995 uh really good nutritionist key klein still active he did it like he worked all these bodybuilders and when they were contest dieting they would eat whatever five or six meals a day you know oatmeal and eggs chicken and rice you know just the standard shit 
Um, that was the contest diet. And then in the off season, they added more dairy products, you know, some desserts, more heavier starches, you know, less cardio, more, you know, greater amounts of fruit, more fucking food. Okay. And so then when the, when the, when the contest would approach, they would just gradually remove things, you know, it's just like, that's a far as painfully, um, unscientific as that approach is. It is way better than trying to fucking quantify the calories you're burning, sorting your mail, and then vacuuming your house, and then I don't know, <laughs> chasing that weird guy who's sleeping on the park bench. Out, you know, so and what happens when you what happens when you leave your Fitbit off? Like you fucking shower, oh. forgot to put that on. You're fucked. Like, well, that that's the other thing, man. Like what you're missing. Like my favorite type of cardio. Um, I try to always play things to win, and your your body. Especially steady state cardio, your body adapts to it uh, yeah. as a as a fat burning tool, not not as a health tool, of course, but as a fat burning tool. You do pretty fast, like six to eight weeks. Just the amount that you have to do becomes untenable. Um, so I try to do it like in the in the, the warm months, you know, like you know May June. All that's what I'll do my eight weeks of like one hour cardio outside. Um, and just if you if you if you're all strapped in like fucking Hannibal Lecter with your your hit you got your Fitbit you got your Apple Watch you know you I uh, know you probably got that child molester ankle bracelet because you're a weird <laughs> fucker already I mean you got all the stuff your headphones you know your blue blocker sunglasses like you're not you're not taking in any of the like re- mentally restorative benefits of what you're doing like yeah you're you're just divorcing yourself from all the positives. You're not, you're not focusing, you're not, you know, when I go for a walk in the summer morning, man, I'm like, it's fucking beautiful out, you know, Canada in the summer is really nice, you know, and there's birds and shit, you know, it's nice. Well, like, it becomes, it becomes a mentally stra- stressful activity because like as much as you don't think it is, you, you fucking strapped up the stuff and like, it's still a stressful yeah. process because you overthought something that's supposed to be unthoughtful it's, in its, in its process. And yeah, so there's nothing more counterintuitive than taking a restorative endeavor like a walk and turning it into a fucking yet another data collection endeavor. You know, like it's just I like that data well, collection endeavor because yeah. those that for most people they get fascinated, but they also get locked in on that and yeah. they think about it because it's just another metric. Especially for the people who love <laughs> counting metrics, it's like the worst fucking thing in the world. How boring oh. is it to distill life down to a fucking equation or an algorithm? So no. that's scary shit, man. Like to me, like that honestly, like scares the shit out of me. In Everyone's terms of like ever, the future, you ever wonder if we're actually living in the matrix. You know, everyone's well, that, sort of, I, I, you, we'll talk about the woo. I don't think that, but like it's just fuck. I don't know. It's fucking scary. But, but no, like to me, it's it's the incredible vanity of that. Like, and that's why I've kind of, you know, when I do argue on the internet with, with my dear macro friends, it's just like, like just the vanity that we have everything down to like the exact gram and that the, you know, and, and that everything works out like an equation, you know, like to me, I would rather be like, I want to be how I was when I was 15 and I'm reading that big ass Arnold book and I'm thinking that this is the way you know, to build muscle and like, and, and I'm believing in magic and I'm believing in, um, it's a better you know, time. All, all these things. Cause it's, even if it's all physiological bullshit, you know, when you believe in it and you open your mind to it, you have a, this positive experience with it. That's what, that's what builds like a love of this stuff. If you turn everything into a shitty equation, you're going to fucking hate it because the equations are never going to pan out. 
Whereas if you just embrace it as like this, this process that you don't quite understand and it's kind of mystical almost, like how do they build these bodies, you know, and you keep that sense of wonder, that's what keeps me fucking going at 45 is I still have like this amazing sense of wonder about it. Well, I try to do it. I, I almost try to not compartmentalize, but I try to block off time for thinking and like a lot of that sensory shit. And yeah. leave that out of my workouts or my walks because yeah. they are separate. Like there's a there's a process for learning and thinking yeah. and being inside your own head, but a lot yeah. of times you don't need that, and that in itself it becomes a detriment to the process. Is what I, I, found. I just find training fun, and I look. Well, to yeah, that. yeah, that's and that's, and that's the most important. But thing. even if you're training for strength, there's a time for it to be fun, and but there's a time for you to be inside your own head. But I mean, like, I, that's I, very. It needs to be very fleeting. I just that. like going to fitness conferences and being the biggest guy in the fucking room. But you weren't though, and then Stan fucking efforting yeah. shows up, right? <laughs> so. And then his whole, but then like bad pillar to Stan on now. His, now his experience is fucked because Stan's there. <laughs> you're, well, you're at least. Redheaded, I, we'll, so we'll see if it, it, we go to Tim's, you're the biggest uh, ginger in most places yeah which is poor, like that's poor, tough poor patrick Humphrey. it's just just a running joke so um but you know, but you know what like you guys would know this you know like um when you go to a gym or, or a beach or whatever and there'll be a really big jack guy yeah sure maybe he's like he's juiced to the balls or whatever but <laughs> big he's big he's a depressive and some people like not not normal people but some bros will be like look at him He's got no fucking legs. This, you know, they're like synthol. You know, they're like, they're like look, look at his back. Here, fuck. Nice shitty underground test. He's breaking out. The loser. You know, or girls will be like, oh, look at her ass. It's fake. You know, or look at this. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's fake. It's this. It's that. There are those type of people, and I'm not judging, but I've always been like, when I see a huge fucking dude, like when I, when I had a seminar stand, I was just like, wow. Like you look at this at fifty. Like I'm just like I'm like in awe. That's know? that mindset though. That's that whole idea of being blocked. Like yeah. Like if you're open to a lot of things, you, you're you're just open to learn new shit. And it's like, man, maybe I'll learn something and I'll be that big. Like it's yeah, like, I don't care about what went into it. I can figure that out. You know what I mean? I just want to respect like what's there because I I love it. It's awesome. Why do I want to shit on it? Like Stan's got shitty calves. He'll be the first to admit it. You know, like I'm not gonna go. Holy fuck, Stan Efferding. Wow, you should fucking probably consider wearing pants, dude. You're like, what's your Well, you know. calves are genetic anyway, right? So. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing. Like, I look at him, I'm like, holy fuck, you're 50 and you look like that. How can I get that? You know? He'll be like, it's not possible, Brian. <laughs> no, exactly. You gotta stop but sleeping I... on park benches. Let's, um, we, we've stole a lot of your time today. And unfortunately, I'm running out of time, so... Have you read anything recently that's worth sharing? Oh, um, oh good. We got him. He didn't think about it. No, fuck no. I haven't read shit. Um, I'm you? terrible. I'm uh, actually this is interesting. I've uh, I made a, a decision that I was always like an evening reader. Was since I had my kid, and uh, this just hasn't been happening. So now I'm gonna be a morning reader, and it's. Uh, I'll let you know what I decide to start reading. <laughs> I got a desk full of fucking books. I keep sending them to me. Um, I have not read anything. My mother got me a bunch of books, but she's always buying me like esoteric literature. And I, yeah, anyway, maybe but, she's, uh, maybe she's hinting at something. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Well, that's, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe when James Fell's book comes out, we'll, uh, we'll see what your opinion is on that. We'll move <laughs> on from that topic real quick. So, uh, I'm looking, well, I think, I think, uh, one of his, uh, someone in the book is, was, uh, was a client of mine. So I'm sure I'll get a mention. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> 
Actually, Chuck, if you're talking about Chuck Gross, I don't know if Chuck's one of your clients or not, but there's a big, big mention on Chuck. So, and uh, yeah, plus, we, we, know, we know, yeah, we know <laughs> Chuck, and Chuck's a really awesome dude. So, he is a really awesome dude. He's doing good work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to send a message and be like, hey, Chuck, we mentioned you twice you in recording today. So, um, yeah. I guess the other thing we should probably do is let every, remind everybody where to find you on social media to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Once a month, Brian shows up, no, types a few no. things, and then throws a smoke bomb and gets the fuck out. Yeah, I'm like the fucking Jackie Chan man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on. I'm on Facebook. I'm. Uh, I've got a blog that I gotta update, um, which is BrianCron.com. But I, I'm fairly accessible. And uh, if you're in the Calgary area, uh, there's a very scenic park with like a bench. <laughs> you know, kids 